Welcome in. <clears throat> Boy, my voice cracked. Going through puberty right here on the air. How we look it. Bill Michael Show, hour number two. Welcome in to everybody now on the network. Whether you're listening to us in Menominee and Marinette up there on the WMAM signal, base, uh, what is it, Bay, Bay City Radio? Love that place up there. I was talking to Jim Callow, who, uh, Jim's been there a long time, and I told Jim, I said, man, we got to get back up there. We've been to a lot of different areas, Rice Lake, Tomahawk. Uh, we've never been to Clintonville and Shawano, to those affiliates. Never, never been there. Uh, and we'd love to get into that area, but uh, I, it's been a while since we've been up to WMAM, up in Menominee and Marinette. And I want to be able to go to the shoreline and look across and see Kevin Harlan's house over in Door County. That's my goal. That's what I want to do. So. <laughs> That's better, by the way, than the view I was on Lake Michigan and Michigan City down in Indiana last weekend. When I yeah. looked out over the lake, I could see the skyline and the clouds from Gary, Indiana. So Gary, I, Indiana. I would imagine the view up there is Isn't a there a better. song that has Gary, Indiana in it? I think it's a Johnny Cash song. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I vaguely remember that. Uh, what you don't want to do is when you're in Gary and, and South Bend and everything is to look to the to the to the west and then see Hammond, Indiana. That's, is that even worse? Yeah, that's that's not good. Right across the uh, the border there from Chicago. That's when you drive over that bridge that you have to fill out a credit app to get across it for the toll. <laughs> uh, oh God, it's ridiculous. Shoot! I by the way, the, I, I got to pay my tolls. I'm going to do that right now. I uh, I took I towed the boat across uh, across that bridge once, and it was just you know a pickup truck and a boat, and I think it was like fourteen dollars. And now it's all you know digital, but at the time you had to drop fourteen dollars with the the person at the window, you know, back in the day, and I I almost like, are you kidding me? Four, four, you know, she leaned out, and she went ah, uh, she looked at the wheels, and she goes, I got to pay fourteen dollars. It was like fourteen fifty or something. I'm like, are you kidding me? To come to into Indiana? To come into this dump? I don't even want to be know? here. <laughs> yeah. And then you get to drive past the, I, I will say this, it, it, it sucks. That area, that whole area sucks. But I do want to go to the lumber yard. That's where uh, it's like a minor league baseball team plays. And it's right up against the railroad tracks and it's right up against the highway. Like left field is like the green monster because of it. And I, I do want to go to the lumber yard. It's like. If if I really, because the area is not great, and they always say, you know, look, if you're going to go there, don't go there at night. But if I want, if I have a death wish, I want to go watch a ball game there, and then walk out, and then whatever happens, happens. You know that type of thing. If I'm if I'm going to say, okay, it's it's time to end my life on this earth, maybe that's what I'm going to do. I'll go watch a ball game there, enjoy a ball game, have a couple of hot dogs or brats, walk out, and then you know, <laughs> walk out into the mayhem. And the lawlessness that is Hammond, Indiana. Don't pay your tolls if that's the way that you're going to go. No, that'd be a no, waste. Of no, money. I'll just say that's yeah, that's that's a bill I'm not paying. You know, come and collect that. So, <laughs> cash me outside. So, ah, <laughs> oh, crap. But uh, yeah, that's that's not a not not a great place to go. But anyway, uh, let's see here. Um, oh, by the way, Alan says good morning. Live in Black River Falls, Wisconsin, but listening to to you in. Poipu, Hawaii, on the island of Kauai. Well, there you go. See, I would pay a toll in Hawaii because you get yeah, to be too. in Hawaii. It's the right. whole, you know, charging me money to go to Indiana thing. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah, Gary and all that right there. That's 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 crap, no doubt. Um, what time do we have, uh, what, do I, what time do we have um, our buddy Jim Ozarski on? We got Jim Ozarski in about a half hour. Okay, I am, you know, I've I've learned over a couple of months of producing the show 
that you just some days you expect Mike. You just kind of got to keep a space because you know he's going to call at some point. I would imagine before 2 o'clock we're going to hear from him. He's at the Combine. I'm not sure. Uh, But, yeah, Jim Ozarski at 1130, half hour. Yeah, I was sitting here watching uh, the live feed from the Combine. They now have the tackling dummies, if you will, uh, that they have placed on the field. So you got a few guys starting to mill out onto the field that are working out a little bit, a few running around, nothing official yet, but – you know, you, you watch, you know, live from Indianapolis on the NFL Network, and then there's a live stream of it, too, where you can just kind of kind of go and check it out. But, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're amping up. So I would assume Mike is probably dressed as one of those dummies on the field. And uh, then we'll see some arms pop out of it, and at some point Mike will have some kind of a report from right there on the helmet in, the, in Lucas Oil Stadium that he has just been slapped in the head by a – by a prospective lineman or linebacker or something. Well, that's the only way you can really get good reporting on the drill is to be in the drill yourself. Yeah. I was on uh, with Ernie today from Viroqua, and I told him, I said, I could picture Mike Clemens, like, going to the bathroom where all the coaches and the GMs go and, like, sitting in the stall but putting his feet up on the toilet so nobody knows he's there, listening to see if, like, a deal goes down. You know, hey, two, two GMs are peeing. You know, hey, would you give me this guy for that guy? Oh, well, maybe another draft choice. Okay. And then Mike comes back to us and says, yeah, that, you know, some team has such and such an interest in such and such. So <laughs> I could see that happening too. Um, what else do we have? Oh, um, so I wanted to get to this, and you brought it up during the break. So the, the NFLPA, they surveyed uh, 1,706 players, the NFL Players Association, 1,706, 77% of their total workforce. And they ask you to rate everything about your organization, the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, the Dolphins and the Vikings, for the second year in a row, were, uh, were number one and number two. Now, last year it was flip-flopped. The Vikings were first and the Dolphins were second uh, by the numbers that uh, J.C. Treader, by the way, former Green Bay Packer, uh, the NFLPA president, and the Dolphins and Vikings were, he, as he put it, in a league of their own, the way they take care of their players. In a league of their own. Now, remember, uh, the Dolphins have the newly renovated uh, Hard Rock Stadium. And they have put a concentrated effort into upping their facilities and just everything that they did with regards to the, the, to the Dolphins. In the meanwhile, you've got um, you know Kevin O'Connell and the Minnesota Vikings. They have done everything they can to make the, with that beautiful U.S. Bank Stadium and all their new facilities to make it as as family-friendly and player-friendly as possible. So they're number one and number two. Number three is the Green Bay Packers in third place. Number three. And then you've got to the Texans, Philadelphia, Jacksonville, San Francisco. In the bottom five, now I find this kind of shocking. I really, I really do. In the bottom five, the Commanders, one of the worst teams in the league. That I completely get. But I am stunned to find out the least five liked teams by their players. Pittsburgh, New England, the Chargers, and the Chiefs. That, to me, that's the most shocking thing there is. Now, I can say, Pittsburgh, they're not winning. There's been a lot of consternation about Mike Tomlin. They wanted to get rid of Matt Canada. There's been some some frustration inside. But they built the new stadium but did not upgrade wholly the facilities. So that I understand. But New England? 
That's Robert Kraft has spared no expense. The Chargers, they're they're in SoFi for God's sakes, with an incredible new facility. So I found that kind of weird. Uh, and in Kansas City, well, you know, Gia's Gia Stadium at Arrowhead Field or whatever the hell they call that thing now. That's antiquated. I understand that. And they've done everything they can to renovate it, but they don't want to get rid of the history that that stadium is. Uh, but, man, I, it's just so many different things that they rate this on. Did, did you find that? To me, that's the most interesting thing about the whole situation. But Andy Reid's rated as the number one coach. Well, that's the, and you need to look a little deeper. And this goes like I'm, I'm combing through the NFLPA website because there's so many different points of information. With the Steelers, Mike Tomlin gets an A. Ownership gets an F. So just because some of these teams are receiving poor, like overall grades from players, that doesn't necessarily mean it's related to the coach, right? A lot of times, like the coach is the the only redeeming factor for some of these teams getting really bad grades. The Patriots are getting slammed and I'm looking yeah. at the, the categories right now. So the Patriots players gave the owner a D plus the head coach a B minus, which seems great, but like most of these coaches are getting A's and B's weight room is an F locker rooms, a C Travel is a D, training room is a C, treatment of families is an F minus. Like the Patriots are getting cooked in this thing. Yeah. Um, the Chargers actually charge the players and the wives for daycare during the games. Uh, I think it's 75 bucks a kid and 50 bucks a kid after that. And I, I was like, what? You know, even look, look, the Brewers have daycare for the kids. So when the wives want to go upstairs and watch the game and they don't want to take the kids with them, there's a daycare downstairs inside American Family Field. The Brewers even take care of that. And yet the Chargers are charging the wives per game per kid. It's like, are you kidding me? Who knew? Now, I was not surprised to find out that Cincinnati, who had rated so low for so long, has now one of the biggest complaints is most players, and for those that don't know, just about every team feeds the players every day. The players can get three meals plus snacks and, and grazing stations and such every day. Every day. They can go in. They can get whatever food they want. They can get. It's like going to a restaurant, and the team pays for it. You know, Cincinnati has gone from two to three meals a day but only on Wednesdays. <laughs> so if you want to go in and work out and be there all day and eat some breakfast in the morning, get a little light lunch, and then get a dinner that night if you're a single dude, you know, and you just want to live, breathe, and eat football, Cincinnati's like, nah, we're not, we're, peace out. We're not, we're not going to make you a steak. What are you, crazy? So Cincinnati won't do it. Where everybody else is pretty much doing, you know, three meals a day. It's just the, the, the stuff that's taken care of, when you think about these guys making millions of dollars now, like young players coming into the league, you're making three, four hundred thousand bucks. It's 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 a great living in that sense. Don't get me wrong, and you're playing in the NFL, but you're not making millions of dollars. But some of these guys, man, are making gobs of money, and their teams have to feed them three times a day, and they got to take care of the daycare when the kids are there, and they, you know, it's just it's like wow. I, you, you start to read the in-depth stuff in this stuff, and it's like, wow, holy mackerel. They, what, what the teams take care of now and the way the players are treated now. Um, but the weight rooms are interesting. That's the one thing that I find probably the most, the most interesting of all is that some players are saying it was better to go to my local gym 
than it was to work out in the facilities at the stadiums or at the, the, the facilities for the teams. That's kind of interesting to me. Like, how are you not on the cutting edge of strength and conditioning when you're some of these teams that are out there? Packers, they, they rated really well. They, I knew they upgraded the, many of the players' facilities, and that was one of the things about parking structures and all that kind of stuff that they wanted to do for the players. But, um, but some of these teams, man, they, they live in the old, you know, get back to the streets, Rock. You know, when Apollo Creed took Rocky back and he's putting him in a pool and making him box an old taped up, <laughs> taped up heavy bags and everything. So some of these teams kind of believe in that, and they don't put a lot of money into the the training facility. So I found that rather interesting. Do you think us as Packers fans have uh, maybe not great context or not a great understanding of what some organizations actually do in, in terms of cost-cutting and, and some of these owners that really look to save money? Because, like, the Packers aren't the most extravagant, but they're at least very respectable in all these categories. And I think as Packers right. fans, without a, a penny-pinching owner— Right, we just assume. Well, why wouldn't every team be like that? This is the NFL. Why would you not spare right. no expense? But a lot of teams, they do have cheap owners. That's a reality that I think yeah. Packers fans we don't think about often. Yeah, when you talk about you know when things aren't good, people want an owner, an owner to come down out of the box and pound his fist and say you're fired. That's what that's what fans want. But in the grand scheme of things, the day to day, you know, sometimes you don't want an owner because. You know, what the Packers have done is basically not only keep up with the times, but stay above it. They have been, in some cases, the leaders in some areas when it comes to stuff like this. Or at least for those that are leading, they have followed their lead in uh, making it a great facility. I, you hear that all the time about people that come in from other teams. They're like, wow, you just never expected this type of facility to be in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And it is. And that's that's kudos to Bob Harlan and and more so to Mark Murphy for taking that in, in you know and expanding upon that but when you start to read i mean they don't want you to have any care and concern they want you to eat and breathe football during the season that's why they have meals that's why they have great facilities that's and some owners don't want to pay that you know but it's amazing to me that some of the teams that you would expect to be these perennial, you know, top-of-the-line places and have won championships don't put a lot into what the the, the, the care of the team is. It's more old school than anything. I, I just – what were some of the categories that stood out to you? Uh, I'm looking at head coach right now. 92% yeah. of players feel head coach Matt LaFleur is efficient with their time. And the players do. This is an interesting note. The players feel that Matt LaFleur is moderately willing to listen to the locker room. Uh, he actually ranked 26th overall. So I, I don't think any of these teams are crushing their head coach, right? If if uh, if a bunch of players say, yeah, he could be better at this, th- that really ranks them low is what I'm kind of realizing about how this right. data is analyzed. But it is interesting. It seems that at least more than a lot of NFL players on a lot of teams, Packers players thought eh, Matt LaFleur could listen to us a little bit more maybe. Right. Um, I, and that's, that, that's, yeah, that's kind of, that's interesting. I, I Andy Reid obviously tops and they love him in Kansas city and, and that carries a ton of weight there. Um, but 
just overall as a team, Packers did pretty well. You, you can't argue with a lot of that. But I, I want to get back into this when we come back. Stay tuned because we're woefully late for a break. Uh, we'll get back into this, some of the categories, take some phone calls. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Hit us up. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Point Brewing. Right there in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, uh, you've got the uh, the snow pilot, which is out, which we really don't kind of need. We don't have much snow on the ground. As a matter of fact, everything that fell last night is pretty much gone by now. And uh, they've got all the stuff coming out for the summer. The uh, the the uh, blondes uh, that are going to be coming out. They've got the summer brews that are going to be coming out. They've got all the traditional stuff and the sodas. Uh, don't forget, they, they make some N.A. stuff for the kids. Sodas and such, root beers, and they've got one, an actual uh, uh, a drink called the Kitty Cocktail, which you can pick up as well. So a lot of good stuff coming out of Point Brewing. Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good to have you back. The Bill Michaels Show. We continue on. Brought to you by our friends at Sobelman's Pub and Grill. They have two locations, for those that didn't know. Two, not one. Not the original in Milwaukee on St. Paul. That's there. But they also have one in Waukesha on William Street, in case you did not know. Maybe you don't want to go downtown. That's fine. Live out in Lake Country, Waukesha County, Washington County. Live out there in uh, Jefferson County. There you go. Walworth County. Maybe you want to go to Sobelman's, but you don't want to go into town. That's okay. They have one right there in Waukesha as well on William Street, right across the street from La Estacion. And uh, whether it's the award-winning Bloody Marys or the uh, giant burgers that they have, which are fantastic, and the good fish fries. Stop in at Sobelman's Pub and Grill, and as they say, we should catch up. So let's meet at Sobelman's. Good stuff. Sobelman's around a long time. Long time, so. Um, 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, please feel free. Go ahead and do so. Uh, let's get to the phone calls. And Grant, uh, before I, I move on to the phone calls real quick. So in that NFLPA report, was there anything else that you looked at and rolled your eyes at? Uh, nothing overly crazy. No, I, I think it's a good reminder again, as a Packers fan, that a lot of owners are cheap. And that's, for the most part, well, not for the most part, that's an issue we don't have to deal with in Green Bay. I wonder if things change in New England. Because remember, Bill Bill Belichick was also the GM. So he was the, he, there was no buffer between the coach, the players, and the GM. It was just all Bill. So you got to wonder now if the grades change. If maybe the uh, you know a new GM comes in, new head coach, the whole thing, and they say, hey, you know what, we got to upgrade this, we got to fix that, we got to do this. And Robert Kraft says, okay. You know, before with Bill, we were winning championships with him and Tom Brady, and all we needed was, you know, ropes on a sled and you know dogs and, and you know, and now it's different. So you wonder if they're going to upgrade all of that and they're going to kind of you know make it better, so to speak. Because when you listen to players that have won championships in you know New England, they said, "Look, it was great to win the championship, but it was it was like boot camp. It wasn't, you know, it was like being in the army. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't an enjoyable experience to play for the New England Patriots. Uh, Bill made it kind of tough. So uh, you just you just kind of wonder. Some people appreciate it. Guys like Teddy Bruschi and those guys, they're they're they'll eat, breathe, sleep, drink, poop. You know, Patriots." But some guys got out of there. You look at a guy like Gronk who said, yeah, that, was, that wasn't that a fun time, man. That, that, that was tough to, to be there. Now, granted, you walk away with a ring and you're, you know, on Fox now because of it. And you're a caricature and stuff. But you also have, you know, championships in your back pocket. But 
Uh, you just wonder if they'll upgrade the facilities now. I also, like I also think, not to interrupt you, I just wanted to mention, because you brought up the Patriots again. I think a lot of Patriots fans the last few years are like, Belichick is old-fashioned. He's holding the organization back. And then right. when all of this came out today, I saw like Bill Simmons, for example, saying, okay, so it's more than just Belichick being old-fashioned. This is right. an organization as a whole, whoever the coach is, that needs to modernize a little bit, yeah. totally. But I still think that Robert Kraft followed Bill's direction as the general manager. I, I just... You know, if things are working and you're winning championships, why change it? And that's why people look at Bill and go, oh, the game has changed. You know, the, the, the coddling of players has changed. And Bill has a way about him. And it might be one of the reasons he's not working right now. But you just kind of wonder what's going to happen in the coming year. Uh, let's go to the phone calls. Let's talk to our buddy Gerard listening to us in Delaware. Gerard, what's going on, man? How you doing? Hey, Bill, you're looking good. I see you, Bill. You're looking Thank good. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm healing up. Uh, look, you know. You know, Scantling, Valdez Scantling was released today by the Chiefs. I don't cut know loose. It. Cut loose. Well, yeah, they gave loose, him a contract, but, but he dropped it. <laughs> I have two stories to tell you that that relates to a guy in Wisconsin and that your guy, Mr. Clemens, would definitely know. And this is pretty amazing. Now, I, I was 1975, the Vikings are playing the Cowboys in the championship game. So as we all know, the Hail Mary was named after Roger Starbuck's bomb down the sideline with no time left with Drew Pierce and number 88, which, you know, the 88s on Dallas have a, uh, you know, a habit of pushing off. Had a most blatant push off of Nate Wright in the history of football, and he catches the ball and Dallas wins the game, you know, mm-hmm. for a touchdown. Okay, right after that happened, the next shot they show is the referee laying on the ground with a half a pint a whiskey bottle laying next to him. Bloomington, Minnesota was about 20 degrees then. The stands in Bloomington, Minnesota are about, honest to goodness, they're about a half a mile away from the field. That, somebody from the stands threw the bottle, actually hit the referee in the head with the bottle. Could you imagine? They, they go to a commercial after they show that shot. That, now, you can see this on YouTube. They come back. They come back, and he's got a Three Stooges-type bandage wrapped around his head with the hat <laughs> laying on top of him, and they're dragging him off the field, okay? Yeah. Now, you talk about violence in sports, and we're talking. you were talking about people running on the court. Then the, sense, the oversensitivity of people like women in the business and stuff. Now, here's what happened before the game. You got Brent Musburger standing in, in the middle, who his right was Irv Cross, and to his left, who was Phyllis George, who was so beautiful, you know, way better looking than these sideline and all these other women. Now, remember, she was one of the first to be in the studio, right? Yeah. So they're standing outside in the freezing cold. So the next thing you know, Brett Musburger finishes his diatribe. He, start, he says, well, I got this box here in my hand of long underwear, and you could see it. It had all different color, looked like women's underwear in it. And he says it's from Brian Hayes from Hudson, Wisconsin. And he's got it. This was 1975 now. Remember this. So I don't know if he's still around or whatever he is. He goes, this is from Brian Hayes of Hudson, Wisconsin. And this is for Phyllis George. This is a nice, warm, long underwear for Phyllis. <laughs> and while we go to a, Now listen to this. He says, says this. While we go to a commercial break... 
Phyllis is going to put on the underwear and, <laughs> and get warm. Could you imagine today no. somebody saying that? Could you even imagine no. today somebody saying that? No, no, I, it, not at all. I, I mean, it is, and she's such a class act. She's, she, she was such a nice, classy woman, and she was laughing and the whole bit and everything else, and obviously nothing happened about it or anything back then. But my next comment is about Goody. I heard his press conference, and I heard some of the comments some of the fans and people were saying, what do they expect him to say? Do they expect him to go up there and give the names of the guys they're going to draft or the, the free agents they're going to go right. after? What do they expect him to say, Bill? No, I don't I, get I, it. some people look forward to they first of all they look forward to criticizing every word that he says. And secondly, when they want to know and they're pissed off that he doesn't, you know, expose the family secrets so to speak. And and look, we all want to know. That's the reason we're asking the questions. But there are times when you're just, you know, this is the time of year where general managers will throw you a bone completely in the opposite direction of what they're thinking. Or they'll give you an insight that you should go, okay, let me raise the eyebrow. But all they want to do is make you kind of keep guessing as to what it is they're going to do. And, but you still want to know their philosophy. And we got that. We understand that. We got a little bit of an insight. We said, we, we heard Goody say, Matt wants guys that run with their hair on fire. He wants more passion, as he said, on defense. And, and, and I can't argue that. That's kind of what we all want. So I appreciate the phone call, Gerard. I'm at the bottom of the hour. But Goody gave us some insight. You, and I've said it all along. When we play these 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 press conferences, and people go, "Oh God, same old thing." You know, you got to listen sometimes to what is said, and the way it's said, and other times to the way, or, or to what is not said. You know what he didn't say yesterday uh, about, or the day before about, say David Bakhtiari. He didn't say, "No, nope, you know, David not going to be able to play this upcoming season." What he did say was. He sounded like he was iffy. We all know, for the most part, we all assume that Bakhtiari is out the door. But didn't it sound like he wanted to keep that door open because, yeah, Rasheed Walker did a pretty good job. But if you can figure out a way to keep, uh, and he's back to being David Bakhtiari, and you can keep him guarding your the, the guy that is your legacy, then maybe you figure out a way to keep keep him on the keep him on the roster if you can affordably, but for the most part we all believe he's gone. But there, maybe he's just like hinting, like oh, we're not going to do that because maybe he's eyeing a tackle. You know that could be the misdirection in all of this. So it's it's a lot of lip flapping and and such, and I understand that. But there there are things that you can take out of it that you can say, hmm, this is interesting. You know. This is this is kind of unique. Or hey, now that you've heard Halfley say it and Lafleur say it, and also you know your general manager say it, you know they keep talking about different phrases within the season. You know the play of the game or the spirit of the game or hair on fire. Or you start to listen as if they've all had these meetings and they've all agreed this is what we want. This is all what the same page is. So you just got to kind of take it with a grain of salt. You know you can't get too crazy about it. Jim Ozarski going to join us. That is coming up next on the Bill Michael Show. Stay right where you're at. Don't go. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good to have you back. Uh, the Bill Michael Show, we continue on. 
on this Wednesday. Hey, our friends out there that are listening to us in the lacrosse area, uh, get a hold of our friends over there at Every Plumbing and Heating. And if you need, say, uh, your water heater starting to act up, or maybe you need some maintenance, or how about a water softening system, reverse osmosis, I can go on and on and on. Maybe in-floor heating. Uh, if you want to do that, uh, they do servicing and such uh, this time of year for a lot of different furnaces and such. But the plumbing side of things has really began to boom for them, whether it's a, a new construction, renovation, or you just need something fixed. Say the outside spigot, ah, you should have never left that thing on uh, this past year and all of a sudden <laughs> blows up. Give them a call because three generations of Everys have been doing this. Uh, Clayton Every is the one that founded it back in 1969. Craig runs it now and doing a bang-up job. But to get a hold of them, they just hired some new people as well so they can expand and even take on more more work. 608-783-2803, 608-783-2803. That is Every Plumbing and Heating out in the Cross area. As a matter of fact, they're located in on Alaska. But you can uh, get a hold of them in Jackson or La Crosse, Trempolo, Monroe, Vernon counties, all over the place. So give them a shout. Again, that's Every Plumbing and Heating, 608-783-2803. Joining us now on the hotline, our guy making his weekly check-in, Jim Ozarski is here to talk some Bucks basketball. Jimmy, what's going on, pal? Hey, not much, Bill. Getting uh, getting ready to go to Charlotte till the Bucks can can run this back again and, and maybe blow out the Hornets for the third time this year. I was going to say, what is it about Charlotte? They, if they just played Charlotte every day, they'd be undefeated. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, the, look, the Hornets are bad. Um, and so that's a big part of it. But also, Bill, I think what's important about last night for his, look, it was a blowout. The Bucks are, are a better team than the Hornets. But, Bill, remember, how many times did we talk about in the first 43 games under Adrian Griffin, these bad teams giving the Bucks games, right? right. Like the, the Bucks were winning, but it was like 135 to 120. And that was part of the, the issue under Griffin with these players. They know they're this good. They were like, why aren't we smashing the teams we're supposed to smash? And under mm-hmm. Doc Rivers, in the games that they've won, Bill, I mean, go back and look. They're, they're starting to put the beat down on teams that they should, quite frankly. Now, tomorrow's another test in Charlotte. You can't follow this up with laying an egg, but it's trending in the right direction in that way under Doc. So, oh, God, did we lose Bill? Well, we'll get back. Bill, Jim, okay. why don't I ask you, he was about to ask you about Doc and trending the right way, yep. so why don't we just keep that going and we'll get Phil back and he can continue the interview. What have you seen with Doc? The defense has settled in. Obviously, last night, what did they give up, like 30 points in the first half? Talk about some of the things that have improved with Doc with the Bucks that you've seen. Right. So it's not just, look, again, at the end of the day, the Hornets are going to be kicked out as sort of an outlier as a bad team. But on the, the bigger level, though, they've held teams under 100 points, I believe, four times now under Rivers, under 110, I believe, five times in just, what, uh, 12 games? They did that four times all of Adrian Griffin's tenure. And so the, the defensive floor has been raised under Doc Rivers. And I think it's one of those things where, look, are they going to be top five, top ten? Probably not. But go back to last year's Denver Nuggets, Grant and Bill. It's look the, the Nuggets were a, a mid, middle of the road defense with an elite offense. If you can just raise the floor, and that's what Doc Rivers has done. He's eliminated the transition points. Teams aren't just running down the floor and, and getting easy baskets on the Bucks. Um, simple defensive principles, you know. Which, which again is is Doc coaching? Yes, he's coaching, but he's doing the thing he was hired to do. And I think um, that, that's the main thing. There are no magic schemes here. They're not 
they're not running anything special, <laughs> right? It's just it's just a, a professional 25-year coach is in the building, and he's got these veterans just doing some simple things, and it's really paying off on that end. So Bill should be back here in a minute or two if he's not already back, but I, I'm just curious. It seemed like Adrian Griffin wanted to blitz a lot on defense and get out and run, and maybe did he miss the point of how this team was constructed? Like Giannis and Dame in the half court, that's really, really good, he didn't really seem philosophically like he wanted to be in the half court a whole lot. Is that something that Doc has come in and kind of rectified since? Yeah, this is look, we, we first guessed this with Adrian after his first press conference when he sort of outlined his scheme. And, and we, after that press conference, we said, um, does Brooke Lopez still fit here? <laughs> because everything you're talking about is, is, does not suit a seven foot, 280 pounder, um, you know, it suited Javon Carter and Drew Holiday and to a lesser degree, Chris Middleton, but Giannis could do these things. And yeah, I don't think Griff really, I don't want to say adjusted because I do think they adjusted. The Bucks ran a variety of defenses, Griffin, that they never did under Budenholzer. And I think it, they did like that. That was one of the reasons Bud was fired. Like they did like the zones and some of the trapping and some of the blitzing. Bobby Portis, for instance, I know Bucks fans hate you know Bobby sometimes on defense, but Bobby's not a drop defender. He he's better at getting in the lanes and deflecting and blitzing. Griff had him do that, so there were some good things, Grant. Um, but I but to your point though, they lost their way. Like they didn't just stick with the the great things that they do and add that stuff. It's just it's just kind of this mixture of change that really didn't suit the personnel which frankly was first guest and, and honestly it played out that way. And now Doc's just got him kind of doing, look, it's a lot of bud stuff <laughs> to be like of a better phrase, but it's, it's what they've been really good at. Jim, I, I'm back. I apologize for that. We uh, dropped for a second, but I, let me go back to what you were talking about with Bobby Portis, but more so the structure of this team now, we'll say behind the scenes, uh, things that maybe Adrian Griffin wasn't doing that maybe lost the team or made the team think, hey, I don't know if this guy's cut out to be a head coach. Does it seem like, and I don't want to say buying in, but it does, does it seem like now that stuff has settled down and they're just back to basketball? 100%, Bill, 100%. Um, and, and you hear the guy say, look, we're being told what we're doing. We know our roles. And, and look, yeah, Bobby's a, a nine-year veteran, and Malik Beasley's an eight-year veteran, and Pat's been around. Like, yes, all these guys are around. They're not young guys, but <laughs> they all need coaches. Um, they all need a structure and and a plan. And for as much as I think Griff had concepts and ideas that were that could have worked, he just it just didn't come across. There was there wasn't a lot of definition. And I don't know if it's all Griff. The players were complicit in this too. Right, like I, I think they liked scoring 135 points, um, and maybe doing some of the stuff that they felt they wanted to do, Bill. You know, because I do think that there was an element of too much freedom. Like, well, well, you guys know what you're doing. You're free. You, you want to try this? Okay, you try that. You do that. But it's a fine line of, and Bill, you, you've been around this with, with football coaches and basketball coaches in, in pro sports forever. It's a tale as old as time. If you give a little too much. They might take way too much, and it right. just wasn't the right fit. So Doc Rivers comes in, 25 years again, 1,000 wins. He does have a title. In the players' minds, look, but we can debate 
how long ago that was and Doc Rivers' playoff acumen. That right. The players really don't care about that. The players care about the ring and the Hall of Famers and the thousand wins. And Doc walks in that room and says, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing that, end of story. They're like, okay, let's rock with that. And, and yeah, Bill, that, that stuff has been cleaned up, and I think it shows on the court. Well, that's my next question because it seems like uh, these first two games out of the shoot were – would you call them statement games? Did you feel like watching these games and then talking to these guys after the fact? You know, you go on the road, you get the win. Uh, you know, you you ended up knocking off a pretty good Minnesota team, obviously coming out of the shoot, and then all of a sudden you're going, okay, well now we're onto the Seventy Sixers. Doc's return, MB, the whole thing, and you beat them quite handily. Were those statement wins to these guys behind closed doors? Um, I, I think they're statement in, in this way, Bill. Look, the, let's remember in Memphis how the how it ended. So the Bucks beat Denver, great win, right? Well, then they follow it up with stinkers at home uh, against Miami, and they go on the road and lose to a G League team in Memphis. And what happens? Doc says half the team's in Cabo, half the team is here. Giannis says, "Hey, do we want this?" I mean, those were really, really strong statements from the, the leadership of this team going into the break. So what happens? You come out, you right, Bill, Minnesota could very easily be in the finals you go there and and you it's a very good win you follow it up with Denver, uh philly as you said and, and then even the charlotte game bill the fact that they just took care of business <laughs> like they're supposed to right um yeah i think i think the fact that they've come out and and sort of put these things together um was a big deal the Giannis dame thing is starting to look better um and obviously the defense has been better since the, you know the day doc walked in the door quite frankly so tell me right now, because I looked at Jay Crowder, and I've said this time and again, I thought he would be kind of an X factor. He's done a lot of dirty work. I get it. The rebounding has been really good. The scoring has been awful. But give me your thoughts on the support guys, not just a guy like Bobby Portis, but Crowder coming off of the bench or a guy like Pat Connington coming off the bench. Because these guys are going to be relied upon in the postseason heavily to do something that is going to either sustain and keep a lead or to expand a lead or get the momentum back. Yeah, so look, obviously the, the Doc's focus initially was the Dane Giannis thing. Let's let's make that as best as we can. Chris will fit in. But now, to your point, Bill, the, the, the J, Bobby, Pat, Triumvirate, that's, those are your your sixth to ninth men, you know, um, with, with Pat Beverly maybe sprinkled in there depending on a matchup. Those guys, look, Bill, how, how many times did we talk before the trade deadline about one of those guys getting traded or, or they're not playing very well or what's up with those guys? And I think the role players really need that direction from a head coach. They really need to know, what am I supposed to be doing here? <laughs> and I think that has been solved, and I don't think it's a coincidence that you've seen all three of those guys play well. Now, for Jay, look, he's filling in for Chris. Is he going to be playing 35 minutes a game? No. You know, once Chris is back, Jay's going to go back to sort of that traditional role. He's looking good. I, I talked with him, you know, after that Minnesota game, Bill, and he's chasing around Anthony Edwards, who's this, you know, 25-year-old dynamic all-star guard. And Jay, look, uh, Jay made it tough. He's 35, Bill. He, but he told me, he's like, I'm, I'm almost 100% back from that core surgery um, where he's feeling like, you know, two, three years ago, Dre Crowder to, to a degree. So, um, yeah, the, the offense, I think, sure, knock down a couple corner threes. But as we get going here, you, you're seeing it with Jay that he can maybe be that bigger wing defender 
uh, to compliment Pat Bev, who's still, you know, he, look, he's he, he, <laughs> he's got an edge to him, but he's still only 6'2". So you, we're going right. to need Jay Crowder to, to be that guy, and, and he's starting to look that way. Jim, always great stuff, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk again next week. And uh, next week, I think, by the time we get to this West Coast swing, we're going to really start to see what kind of team this is down the stretch with 23 games remaining. Good stuff, bud. Uh, for sure, Bill. Talk to you soon. Appreciate it. There you go. Jim Ozarski joining us for a couple of minutes. You can find him on X at Jim Ozarski, O-W-C-Z-A-R-S-K-I, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and uh, covering the Milwaukee Bucks on the regular. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. More of the Bill Michael Show. Come Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Good to have you. The Bill Michael Show. We continue on. Uh, we now go down to, uh, real quick, we only got about a minute here. We can always take him after the top of the hour, too, but we go down to uh, Indianapolis. Mike Clemens standing by. Mike, what's going on? Uh, I just wanted to tell you some stuff because I just came from the uh, Jets press conference uh, and the latest with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets announcing today they have talked to Zach Wilson's uh, agents and they've agreed to let him get permission to look for a trade partner. Where where else would Zach like to go? He's no longer going to be in New York. I can handle the top of the hour. I, I don't have anything till about fifteen past the hour. If you want to take it then, yeah, let's do that. So uh, Mike Clemens joining us. We'll put Mike back on hold. We got about a minute here before we get to the top. So we'll talk to Mike. But uh, the Jets have given Zach Wilson, as Mike reported, permission to go ahead and seek a trade to go elsewhere. And uh, that means that uh, they have decided to part ways with him. Obviously, it just has not worked out after they thought Zach Wilson was going to be the guy in uh, in New York to lead the Jets. And that has not happened. And, you know, there was a little bit of a reclamation of his own image when Aaron Rodgers got there. But uh, this past season proved to be a, a painful one to watch for us. <laughs> Zach Wilson and company, he just never... He never took off the way they expected him to. So we're going to go ahead and uh, take a quick break for the top of the hour. And then when we come back, we'll have Mike Clements here live down in Indianapolis where the combine is underway and they're going to be doing the measurables coming up very shortly, physicals and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the Wonderlick test, uh, which I don't even know if they do. They, I don't even, did, Grant, do they still do the Wonderlick test down there? We'll talk to Mike about that. We did away with it. I'm pretty sure. Maybe Mike can I'm pretty speak sure. that. Yeah, I think they did away with that. They don't do that anymore. And. Now they just talk to guys and try to find out their football acumen, I guess, better than anything. So let's do this. We're going to step away. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Mike Clemens on hold. Stay right where you're at. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this.